Greg Proof Film Club. Uh, we only have two criteria on the Greg Proof Film Club. It's not is it academically worthy. It's not is it cinematically significant. It's not does it exist solely for the uh, commercial use of those who would uh, take away our souls. But rather, is it bitchin' and is it short? And does it rock as hard as can humanly rock? And this movie answers all three. Tonight we'll be showing the 1973 black exploitation classic by Jim Hill, starring the fabulous Pab Greer Coffee, ladies and gentlemen. That'll be tonight's movie. If you're listening out there in Greg Proops Film Club land, you can get it for free on uh, watchmovies.info slash coffee. I found it for free there. It seems to be available in a lot of places for free. Not that I don't want the people who made it to get any money, but they weren't going to anyway. So why not avail ourselves... Uh, I, I don't want to be a, a, what's it, Lars from Metallica? Was he the grumpy one? Uh, every two seconds, people want to listen to my music. I won't have it. Um, uh, in any case, this show's free to download at any time, as, as it is always, my darlings, because thank you. Uh, I know that, one, we're all impoverished and that times are absolutely scandalous and that the 1% have their foot on our juggler while we strive each day to make show business a better place by doing something quality instead of the bullshit that's all around us that we see as the vast alkali cesspool that we have to stride through manfully with our artistic ambitions held high and a scented bouquet of the fucking highest intentions clenched in our teeth at all times as we swim the ford of the fecal matter that is the fucking taste pool that is Hollywood. However, <laughs> keeping that in mind and bearing that we all have to make a living around this motherfucker, <laughs> welcome once again. My name's Greg Proops and I'm available for auditions. I play Caucasian. Uh, I'm awfully good as a lawyer. Um, I do comic relief. There's no question of that. I can go gay. Uh, and I don't mean that. I don't mean that in a casting way. I mean, I'll do fucking anything to get a job in this town right now. I'm stating it outright to make it funnier tonight. It's once again, we uh, uh, convene here where cinema uh, meets art, meets commerce, meets fucking phantasmagoria. Uh, the Cine family here, which is a strictly volunteer operation of Hungarian immigrants who came over some seven years ago in a boat of their own making with nothing but a spindle and a bizarre uh, uh, aperture that they could show films through. And uh, they built this up with their very own hands. And uh, each week here they show uh, obscure movies that are of little interest to the general public, but of great interest to those whose souls are pure and have a vision for the future <laughs> that's crystalline and won't make anything bad ever. Someone went, ouch. It hurts in Hollywood to hear sincere feelings. That's why no one has rainbow bright on the back of their car anymore. She represented something all y'all weren't ready for. The fucking possibility that tomorrow wouldn't be a guy cutting you off by passing you on the right near Cantor's. Endangering everyone in the goddamn intersection and then making a left turn in front of anyone and then stopping in front of one of the t-shirt places and buying a fucking baseball hat and not bending the bill of the cap. <laughs> this neighborhood was once filled with Hebrews and those who knew Hebrews. There's still, of course, many Jews here, but now it is filled with men who wear baseball hats and look like they're massing for a giant uh, Charlie Brown reunion. <laughs> If Charlie Brown had been a gangster uh, and was down by law, which indeed Charlie Brown was in so many ways. You know, here at the Greg Proops Film Club, we only have two criteria, as I asserted earlier. Is it, does it 
bowl you over with awesomeness every second of its being on the screen flickering at you? And is it brief enough that we can resume our fucking lives? <laughs> There's never going to be an out Berlin Alexander plots. I've threatened to show 2001 so many times, but I find that it's better to remember 2001. <laughs> It doesn't take as long, and it's almost as good in some of the sequences the way I do it. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And, uh, uh, oh, this doesn't actually spin. <laughs> Terrible prop this. Oh, look. <laughs> and then, uh, fantastically... It's when he throws the bone in the air. Now, uh, you'll find the neighborhood uh, is a douchebaggery of a different kind. It's as if Turtle had children, and all of a sudden they're walking up and down. Thank you, from Honorage. And they're walking up in little butt children, and they're walking up and down the street. Now, mind you, there's some superb businesses on the street, and it's a real epicenter uh, of groove jack swing uh, for the new uh, millennium here, the, the entire post-Harry Styles millennium that we're living in and that we find ourselves dealing with. Uh, tonight's picture is a very exciting picture. Uh, again, we go back to the 70s. This is my wife Jennifer's Choice. Uh, it's back to Jennifer's Choice for the next uh, 18 to 25 months on the show. And uh, thank you. Those are the ones you liked. Uh, Okay, I thought Return of the Living Dead was for everyone. <laughs> evidently, unless you possess a penis and have a leather jacket with some kind of logo on it, evidently not. <laughs> I showed Scrooge last year for Christmas with Albert Finney. It's a musical written by um, just Leslie Brickhuse, not Anthony Newley, is it? Thank you. I have... Chuck Google Hasternak out here tonight. They call him Google because he knows the answer to everything immediately. He's not looking anything up, but he actually knows it. So thank you for that one, Chuck. Uh, it is Chuck, right? There. For those of you who can't hear at home, he said, yeah. He, so far, he's answered in the affirmative twice, and everything is sailing that can only be described as smooth. We often uh, hit on the 70s here because it's my favorite decade. Why, Greg? Why? Well, uh, I had disposable income for the first time in my life, and uh, I was uh, 10 through 20 uh, during the 70s. Oh, my God, that makes you 74 years old. Um, one, fuck two to the U, okay? Just because I knew Murno personally and was at the opening night of Nosferatu, and I said, this, you call this a buffet? There's no fucking schnapps, and they're out of herring already. And Myrna was like, Proopsy, you've got to go. You're too drunk. You, all the time you take the cocaine and you uh, make a nuisance of yourself. And I said, Shizen piggy, motherfucker. I'm going to go over uh, to uh, uh, Eisenstein's having a fucking soiree. And then... Uh, 73 is uh, all of the movie, all of the years of the 70s. I said to my wife, there's so many pictures from this year. And then I realized, uh, I said to Brett, who works here tonight, uh, one of the Cine familyists, um, he, uh, uh, he's in Cine and the family, any. And uh, Brett uh, said, uh, didn't you talk about another year that had a million movies? And I was like, every year of the 70s. 
has a billion movies that you can't believe are from that year. Um, I realize there's people here who are young. I, I, would ne- I believe that children of the future and I believe that cinema is in your hands and that the crappy U2 things you shoot about your testicles are one day going to come together to form a Tarkovsky life deepness and explore a rich human condition uh, that's hitherto only been seen uh, by such directors as Wertmuller and Bergman and whatnot. But I, I, until that golden day arrives, I'm going to have to remind you that if you crack out the last airbender uh, uh, when, you, when you're talking about nostalgia of your childhood, I'm going to hit you with a giant Al Pacino-sized dildo. And then Faye Dunaway is going to consume you like a cat that has been denied food for weeks at a time. Okay? That's what happens with my decade. How is it your decade? You were only 10. A lot of these movies I had a lot to do with the writing and directing and producing of. How so? Because I wished I did. This is a movie show, not a show about like how movies got made and whatnot. I'm never going to go into the nuts and bolts of like, I think they used a thing and uh, had a lens on it and whatnot. You're welcome. Because uh, I think that slows the pace down of talking about myself. In 1973, I was uh, four years old and I got around town. I saw a lot of the movies that came out this year. Uh, the number one movie, and I don't know what site this is because I've eradicated its nastiness from my... I went to a website and it had like the 100 greatest movies of the year. And The Spirit of the Beehive, which is a Spanish movie. And I've never seen it. And I feel totally remiss as an art uh, film person to go, oh, I've never seen The Spirit of the Beehive. I don't even actually know what it's about. I don't think there's bees in it. I'm not that literal. But... <laughs> If anyone can help me, and why did you open... What, what? There are bees. There are bees. Okay, this is the one with Gloria Swanson and Michael Caine, right? And, um, God, you guys, the swarm, nobody, fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. Up until now, we're all, well, come on, that was really funny, Greg. You talked about the thing and the guy with the hat and whatnot. And then they turn on me in a second because of one swarm reference that you don't get. Did no one read Michael Caine's books? In one of Michael Caine's books, Acting for the Person Who Acts, he <laughs> talks about making the swarm with Henry Fonda, right? So two genius uh, you know, cinematic actors together on the set of, the, of a terrible motion picture where the plot of the movie is uh, uh, um, everyone wanted a, a check and to work for four weeks. And uh, so... And there was a terrible threat that they wouldn't uh, work for the entire time. Uh, bees. Uh, Gloria Swanson's in it. She's, she's uh, fantastically older in it and wears a, a giant bee outfit. It, get to the good part. I will. Uh, Henry Fonda has a pin light put next to the key light. Uh, you, th- you said you weren't going to talk about technical things. This is the only technical thing I know. He had a pin light put next to the key light and, uh, on his close-ups. And Michael Caine said, why do you, why, well, I'll make it fun for you. Michael Caine turned to Henry Fonda and said, Henry, why are you doing that? Why do you have a pen light on your close-up? And Henry Fonda went, makes my eyes water. Because he was doing a bad Jack Nicholson impression at the time. A lot of people don't know that.
The Spirit of the Beehive, Day for Night by Truffaut, The Exorcist. I don't know. I don't think I saw The Exorcist when I was that age. I think I saw it a couple years later. Did anyone see it when they were like 13 years old? I would think it would be wildly. Someone clapped. Was it? Is it wildly unsettling when you're that age? Oh, and you were Catholic too. Wow, that's like an extra bonus coupon to horror for that movie. So the, the abuse of the cross alone was enough to send you into a spiral of shame. Did you ever see The Omen as well? Because that doesn't make you feel guilty as much as bad. Although it does have my favorite. It's all for you, Damien. <laughs> Did you, uh, were you, you were young when you saw it then. I don't think I saw it then. Uh, it's absolutely mortifying, uh, The Exorcist. If you've never seen it as a horror fan, um, I don't even know how, where to begin because it, it, it's not about horror at all. It's like uh, a psychosexual traumatic coming of age, cloistered parent, Catholic church, hideous existential musing on what a 13-year-old's eternity might be like if they let their parents control their world. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe it was... Although she followed up with Skate Town or Boogie Roller Boogie. What was Linda Blair's... Sarah T. Portrait of a Teenage Alcoholic was fucking off the deep end good. So fuck you. Linda Blair has everything to be proud of. Uh, and Mean Streets is from that year, which is a superb uh, motion picture. And uh, De Niro, uh, yeah. If you need to see that one, because if you want to see him with his hat turned up, it's before he, he didn't do that. Uh, then Badlands, um, which is a... Terrence Malick uh, is, a, is a fantastic movie maker. He makes sometimes his movies are like like you've planted something and you've come back to look at it at the sill like six months later and shit like that, and you realize it's still the same movie and nothing's happened actually. It, but a lot of air has pushed wheat or something to one direction and another, and then a brunette woman comes toward the camera and then it's revealed that you're in Vietnam. His movies are wild. Uh, I love Badlands. Uh, it's Mar- Martin Sheen is so good looking in it. And uh, it's Sissy Spacek. Are you going to go through every movie that came out in 73? Yeah. No, let's talk about what came out earlier this year and shit. Will that rock the fucking his house? I don't think so. Every one of these movies rings uh, like a celebration aimed directly at the heart of your cinematic soul. Uh, Amarcord, which is a, a, not a bad later Fellini movie. Uh, Don't Look Now by Nicholas Rogue has a very unsettling dwarf chasing Donald Sullivan and, and Julie Christie around Venice. Also, if you're... You, talk about horror movies. I don't know if you can... St- Donald Sutherland has sex on screen in that movie. I don't know what you're ready to gird up for. I mean, it is Julie Christie, so there's a lot of goodness, but wowzers McTavish is all I have to say. That was my review of this movie when it first came out. Don't look now, Greg Proops, byline. Wowzers McTavish. I saw Donald Sutherland's Catopus, and I really, really had objections. Uh, It is scary, though. The Sting, always good fun. It makes no sense whatsoever. Also, like uh, Three Days of the Condor, Robert Redford is supposed to be a, a lovable like 19-year-old who's just setting out on his own, but he's clearly a 42-year-old millionaire with the greatest conditioner in the history of hair products. And 
the music doesn't match the era. It takes place in the Depression, and they play rag. And rag is from 20 years before the Depression, and somehow everything works. It's awesome. It really is. They even use title cards, which by the 30s would have been like wearing a hoop skirt on stage and coming on and going... Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. It was corny then. The long goodbye. I don't know. Right? Elliot Gould as Marlowe. Robert Altman, 73. Always a baseball connection. Jim Bouton, the pitcher who wrote Ball 4, Ball 5, and beyond, uh, who pitched for the Astros and wrote an expose of baseball, is in that movie, as is the fantastic Nina Van Pallenberg. Is it, oh, did I get her name right? Yes, I did. Don't. No. Okay. Uh, then there's um, some ones that are immortal. Serpico. Yeah, unbelievable. We really, we might have to, right? We might have to show Serpico. We're not going to show it for Christmas, but it would be a great Christmas movie. <laughs> the problem with Serpico is it meets one of the requirements of the film club. It's awesome beyond the measure of a juggernaut rolling down a fucking steaming track. Secondly, it's longer, I think, than you remember. That one we have to look up. Uh, oh, lucky man, under no circumstances are we showing that. But you should give it a gander. Uh, it's Malcolm McDowell and Lindsay Anderson, but it is about seven and a half hours long, is my recollection. <laughs> But it does have a song by uh, Alan Price of the Animals that plays about a thousand times in the movie. It's one of the movies where it has the song that never stops playing. Like we showed Laura earlier uh, this year, and Laura's like, Laura, Laura, like every two seconds. It never stops. And every time they get, well, I, I guess I'll be going, Laura. <laughs> Fucking uh, uh, low lucky man, every two seconds. If you have a friend on which you think you can rely, you are a lucky man. And it keeps coming in. It's a groovy song, so it's not so bad. Uh, the Wicker Man. Wow. I don't know how fucked up your sleep patterns are, but if you don't want to get any rest for like a week or two, watch The Wicker Man and imagine taking a trip to an island. By the way, not to, spoiler alert, Brit Eklund body double. Yeah. The crushing disappointment. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm all for Britt Eklund. I voted for her in the movie um, The Man with the Golden Gun, which is uh, not an underrated movie. It got just enough rating. <laughs> it has maybe the most lurid theme song of any movie from the 70s. It's from 74, not 73. And it, uh, I believe Lulu sings it, which is pretty hip for 74. No, it's not even... I don't know why it was Lulu, but... It, He's got a powerful weapon. He charges a million a shot. <laughs> and then at the end, he'll shoot anyone. Really? He'll shoot anyone? That's not making him seem dangerous. It's making him seem errant. If you get a million a shot, you should be a little more discerning and discriminating about, oh, I see you mean he'll shoot anyone for the million dollars. Well, that wasn't clear. Da-da-da-da-da. Bomb-bomb. Da-da-da-da-da. Roger Moore is James Bond. You know what? Go back. You think it sucked, but it's better than it was. Because he, he'll go like, yes. Like that, nothing. You know, it's fantastic. Hmm. Oh, so, Scaramanga, we meet at last. Hmm. 
are, are you going to do anything? Oh, no, you're not. You're going to wear a plaid jacket. I don't know if you can dig Bond in a plaid jacket and a giant ass tie. Also, I believe the car he drives in that one is like an AMC Matador or something, which is like, what the fuck happened to the franchise? The 70s is what happened because uh, Live and Let Die, which is a masterpiece, um, came out the year before, and that's the black exploitation Bond movie. And then the next year is um, uh, Man with the Golden Gun, which is a, a, a chop socky meets uh, um, a redneck, you know, cannonball run, fucking Ode to Billy Joe, you know, let's get Billy! One of those movies where rednecks chased a girl down a bridge and something awful happened, and there was a theme song, and it took a long time. And Jan Michael Vincent was in it often and sometimes was violated. The 70s were treacherous waters. Uh, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Um, that movie is a theme song with a movie hanging off of it. The Three Musketeers. I could talk for the rest of my life about The Three Musketeers. Uh, is it really that good? No. It's just something I like. And therefore, it's better than anything you like. It has Faye Dunaway's Milady de Winter and Christopher Lee as Rochefort. And if you remember the scene where Christopher Lee, she's in her bathtub and Christopher Lee's dripping blood into a, a tub of water and he looks up at her and he's wearing an eye patch. That's good movie making. <laughs> Oliver Reed is uh, Athos and Richard Chamberlain is fucking um, Aramis. And that really, there's never been better casting for the Musketeers. If you think the Charlie Sheen version was better, if you think the Jeremy Irons, Gerard Depardieu, Leonardo DiCaprio combo platter of Man with the Iron Mask meets the Three Musketeers at the fucking, you know, uh, ranch version, no. Gene Kelly even, no. Doug Fairbanks, okay, I give you that, but no. The 70s version's the best version. It has the most laughs. Raquel Welch is in it doing comedy. Yeah, thank you. One woman and me. And the rest of the crowd, we're scoffosauruses. We lived during the Cretaceous period when cinema was a, a dicey proposition and we would come out of our uh, uh, reptilian holes and go, <laughs> the plot structure's weak and we don't think there's enough to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking scoffosaurus. The Three Musketeers is sexy and funny. It's like a Beatles movie, but with uh, swords and shit. There's no muskets, by the way. The Three Musketeers is the most misleading candy bar and movie of all time. I ate a Three Musketeers candy bar. I was not pressed into service by the fucking king of uh, France. Instead, I was first forced to work in the Cardinal's Guard, and I had to start... Thank you. I started as a scullery, and I'll tell you... Those staircases are murder. I don't like washing pots, and I don't like washing pans, and I don't like mucking out the stables. Very misleading candy bar. The novel, hilarious. Novels are um, books. Books are what movies are often based on. Tonight's movie, Coffee, is based on a book by Alexander Dumas. Loosely based. The way we were. Again, we talked about the way we were before. When Barbara Streisand cries because Robert Redford spends the night with her, you've got to rethink female empowerment. I mean, yes, you should be grateful. I would be grateful. We would all be grateful. 
If it was 1973 and Robert Redford gave you one, you'd be fucking grateful. You would. I'm not wrong about that. And, the, and also, this isn't a theory or something I just thought of. It's the truth. But you oughtn't cry. You know, love has no pride when I call out your name and whatnot. What, what song is that, Greg? It's a song called Love Has No Pride when I call out your name and whatnot. Bang the Drum Slowly is ostensibly a baseball song. It's one of Robert De Niro's several movies that year. Robert De Niro plays a baseball catcher. Are you ready for that? And he's a hillbilly in it. Yeah, it's really weird. And uh, Michael Moriarty's the pitcher. It's a very interesting little papillon, which I love. Why? Because Steve McQueen plays a Frenchman. Yeah, someone, one of the girls went, yes. They wear convict clothes, so he has shorty pants and espadrilles. I mean, they're not at a resort. They're at a prison where they have to bugger one another. But still, they have, they have linen clothes and espadrilles. Thank you. Someone went, because they're French. If it was an American prison, they would have to dress like Elvis Presley did in Jailhouse Rock. With little stripy outfits and super gay boxy hats. Warden threw a party at the county gaul. Uh... There's really no time to talk about tonight's movie, but let's just say this. Uh, coffee uh, is, is a beautiful undertaking, and that, uh, that period in American film uh, is a very exciting one because it's really the first time uh, that the Hollywood studios climbed on board uh, in however crass and commercial a way uh, to understand that uh, people wanted to see uh, um, black heroes and black heroines, and there were lots of black uh, female heroines. There's Tamara Dobson. Oh, I've got to find my piece of paper. Uh, of course, uh, Teresa Graves, and in, in recent times, Zoe Saldana, uh, Angela Bassett, uh, Halle Berry. There's always been lots of uh, kick-ass um, black women, but Pam Greer really uh, sets the bar pretty goddamn high in her first couple of movies here, and uh, Coffee is one of them. Mm, there's a quote. Well, she said, no, she's not. Are you going to really look through your papers now? Mm. Kind of, for a second, and then I left it off. Um, the point is this. Uh, it was a very um, cathartic moment in America for cinema and uh, all around because uh, so many things were happening all at once. And 1973 is kind of a groovy year. Um, women are striking out for rights, uh, Latinos, American Indians, Asians, everyone. And, um, and also, black exploitation is in full swing. And some really great movies are getting made with some awesome soundtracks. Um, what's your point, Greg? Well, when you think about the paucity of women heroes in movies now in this day and age and look at how many the surfeit there were in the 70s uh, represented in that category, it's uh, a little bit um, – it makes one uh, – it gives one pause. Uh, it gives one kitten pause. Uh, and, uh, and that's why we're showing this movie tonight. Not only is it a great document of the time, but rather than looking at it as something that's um, uh, campy – and the, the time period, because of the phones and the hairdos and the colors of the clothes and, and the style and everything, is something that uh, we've progressed from. Rather, I think this movie's a cautionary tale about where we should be now uh, in our outlook about a million things. Uh, as well as, of course, a rollicking fucking good revenge story uh, of a woman. And, and fantastically, for the time period it came out, this movie's violently anti-drugs. And that was not a popular stance at this period in American history. Thank you for laughing, the two people who did. Because uh, it's true 
to make a movie like this uh, about stopping drug dealers in these days, people were like, really? <laughs> Whereas now, of course, we would pay false lip service to the fact that um, uh, there is such a thing as being able to stop drugs in a country that was founded on drugs. Right? In any case, uh, this movie's fantastic, and I hope you enjoy it. If you're watching at home, it's time to spin it now. I give you the 1973 classic with Pam Greer, Coffee, ladies and gentlemen. An extra special Oscar was awarded for the hiding of things inside afros, of which this movie excels beyond all measure coffee ladies and gentlemen a really terrific picture from a year of terrific pictures we'll talk about it for just a couple of seconds and then we'll push on into this good night um i think that uh, there's several lessons are to be learned of course one that every man in this movie is repulsive beyond measure there is not even one carter the policeman's possible in a kind of anodyne way everyone else including the boyfriend howard his male breasts are doing so much damage and the turtleneck sweaters he's wearing are so punishing uh, during a good deal of this movie. He also, there's a slight, it's like he's related to Don Cornelius. It was like he went to the same glasses store. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that part's upsetting. Uh, a lot of us will remember Alan Arbus as the uh, character of Sid, the psychiatrist on MASH. To see him play a, a criminal of indeterminate origin who... Initially is uh, Mr. Detroni, which we presume is Italian of some kind, and yet his accent takes a beguiling trip across Europe in a, in a train <laughs> through many of the Mediterranean nations and then upwards uh, toward the Balkans. Uh, Sid Haig's character, we have no idea. Is he Armenian? Is he Russian? Uh, is he Azerbaijan? We know he has pockmarks and a leather jacket and is rapey. Um, <laughs> The best part of this movie, aside from the unbelievably gratuitous uh, um, uh, uh, nudity and the uh, random and hideous violence, is, which are two of its strong points, <laughs> is the fact that anyone who commits a bad act against coffee is literally shot to death <laughs> or mowed down by a car. One cop flipped over in a car and burnt to death. The gangster with the unspeakable eye, uh, who wears the... Uh, he doesn't wear an eye patch. He wears the one, one black shade glasses and is a very upsetting character. Is run over in his own front gangster door. So it's very, very satisfying. And then at the end when Howard uh, has, has been proven to be cheating on coffee and gives her more of that... And, and was there a, a, an acting school... Uh, where baby was the first word of every sentence because Howard went to it and it's in a lot of these movies. The, the girl shows up at the top of the stairs and is like, baby, you got to understand. Um, I like when he said, if, fold yourself into my arms and I'll make all this crap go away and I'll look after you. And it was like, you know, I may be confused and I may just have shot a bunch of people and I be, may be wearing a torn knit dress and beige, uh, uh, you know, Mary Janes. But I remember when you were going to have me killed. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. It was only two scenes ago. And you said, take her out and kill her in front of a bunch of dudes, including the weird guy from who would later appear in the movie Traffic as the uh, Spanish policeman drug lord, uh, Raul or whoever he was. 
that was the best part of the movie was listening to the accents just fly. <laughs> At one point, I believe she's from Jamaica when her name is Mustique. Uh, fantastically, she's not from Mustique, which would have been an easier call, I think. Uh, then I would have explained that her accent was taking a, 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 a Piro from island to island in the Caribbean on a tour. Um, in any case, uh, it's, a, it's a, a terrific picture, and uh, certainly Pam Greer uh, had an awesome career off the back of it, uh, playing a dazzling array of heroines. And as I mentioned before, there were loads and loads of uh, women who played uh, these characters in the movies. Does anyone have anything to say? Because uh, we usually discuss things here. Robbo is monk, uh, moving among, he's munging amongst you. He's looming amongst you. If anyone has any comments, we'll take them and then we'll move on. One's in the corner there, Robbo, all the way over in the, in the quiet side. I saw that guy first. Uh, this is our first black exploitation picture that we've shown, although we've shown a lot of other ones. Charlie Varick also came out this year, which is a movie I would show in an instant if I thought anyone would show up for it. Um, oh. Yeah, thank you. Okay, six people. We'll all be here. Uh, yes, Lewis. Hi, Greg. Um, I invite everyone to go to YouTube and... Um, search for Cleopatra Schwartz from Whoa. Kentucky Fried Movie. It's oh, just spectacular faux preview that takes from this and all the other black exploitation movies. Um, she burns down the ghetto while he kindles the Sabbath candles. <laughs> yeah. it's, she was married to a Hasidic rabbi. So a great takeoff. Uh, we uh, all Anytime you can substitute uh, Jewish people for black people is always a, a very humorous moment in my life and uh, <laughs> we were going to have the Dolomite series there's, I don't know if you were aware there's a, a Halvamite series that comes out Halva. that joke was so unsuccessful that <laughs> it actually died under its own weight <laughs> I think this talking to the audience thing is a little too risky led myself into a cul-de-sac of hatred and pain. <laughs> Here's the choices for next month for Christmas, if they're going to let us do this anymore. Uh, there's been no notice about that whatsoever. I'm joking, of course. I'm assuming they will. Uh, we've been doing it for a couple years now, and there hasn't been any complaints um, uh, uh, so far. I mean, not, not by the people at CineFamily. The, obviously, the people who listen to the show uh, have quite a lot to say. Uh, it is free to download so my, my invitation to you is if you have uh, problems or questions or queries or suggestions about the show wow um, why don't you find another free fucking show you can freeload off of but we paid to get in here tonight mm, but you've had a lot more entertainment than you were entitled to here's our choices for next month because it's Christmas uh, Clueless yeah, by Amy Heckerling uh, with uh, the fabulous um, uh, Breckenmeyer. Uh, no, it's uh, Alicia. Uh, I'm joking, of course. Uh, I've just dropped her last name. Alicia Silverstone. Uh, uh, it's a really, really genuinely funny movie. And, uh, and then our other pictures we were thinking of were My Man Godfrey uh, with uh, William Powell. And um, then uh, the other picture we were thinking of was... Um, Raising Arizona. So uh, th those are what's cooking. Um, I don't see a lot of enthusiasm for any of them here, but then I've browbeaten you into submission at this point, so I really... Mostly I'm just grateful you're still sitting here. I can only put this down to two things. One, 
Um, you're mesmerized, as I am, by the sound of my voice. And two, that you have nowhere else to go. And that the thought of going to the kibitz room again is a little too depressing. You thought about going to Silver Lake and seeing that dude, but it's getting kind of late. Do we have one more, Rob? Uh, yeah. All right, okay. Um, What's your name, sir? Oh, I'm Sam. This is the first time I actually um, Hi, Sam. got to come to one of these. It's, You're it's just going to really talk fun. over my salutation? <laughs> Hello. Uh, I wanted to talk really briefly about the music in the movie. I, I particularly enjoyed... <laughs> I enjoyed the King George theme that actually, like, seemingly... King George! It made him seem like a good guy somehow. <laughs> like, hey, he's cool. He's a pimp and he deals. It's like the complete opposite message of the movie. It's such a weird... Right. All like, of a sudden, we're lauding him. Yeah. And um, his off-the-shoulder cape and his male... <laughs> his cream-colored male camel toe did <laughs> more... more heavy lifting in this movie than almost anything else. Uh, wow. Yeah, that movie... That, 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 that jam that Roy Ayers rocked uh, lauds him more than the other ones. Because a lot of the... You know, there's the absolute... You know, there's the Bobby Womack. Your name is coffee, and it's like a color, and it's like a drink, and it's like an area. And, they really you know, there's that, that song, and then there's the... What will you do with your life when you think about shit that happened to you? There's that one. And then... But then his one is like, a King George. He's got cream-colored camel toe. Uh, I think our, our, everyone's favorite line in the King George sequence, of course, is when uh, the, uh, the girl says to him, uh, uh, he says, how long before you can see a trick again? And she goes, a week. That's cool, right? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> because no matter how old you are, no matter your gender, your creed, your ethnic uh, specificity, uh, we all can understand what was going on in that scene. He, that dude was fronting on her, man. He was unhappy with her action. Uh, although the, uh, the uh, prostitute fight at the party is really, a, really one of the stellar moments in the women's movement. I don't think any woman in here would agree more with me than they already could. Two more, one more, and then we're pushing off into the night because we have shit to do. I have to get up early in the morning and go to Chico tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. If I was lying, uh, like Wolfman Jack, I would be dying. Uh, um, I'm, I'm performing in Chico, California tomorrow night. How's the career going, Greg? Fucking awesome. I was at a comic book store last night. I'm on Fairfax tonight, and I'm in Chico tomorrow. So, uh, a King George. Oh, oh, oh. He's got black camel toe. A King George. Yes, sir. Uh, since you brought up the girl fight, um, I was a child of the 70s, and I remember in 73 um, watching my buddy's girlfriend prepare for a fight in Van Nuys, much in the same manner with the... And I didn't know you would put razor blades in the hair, but maybe she got her inspiration from what that. What kind of... Neighborhood were you growing up in in Van Nuys, uh, bro? The middle, well, Van Nuys used to be a nice place, but, you know, we had, we lived yeah, in Yeah, until the fucking Low, lower girl fight class. started. Low, lower middle class. Tell me but, about it. But, uh, yeah. We used so, to put a pencil up our penis, and then at <laughs> a critical moment in the confrontation, shoot it out as hard as humanly possible, and try to get it in a guy's eye or up his nose into his cerebral cortex. 
You know, not a not like a big one, but like a number two. Not like those red ones, not like a kindergarten one, but you know, a regular one. I was in a, a gang, and I grew up in San Carlos, California, which is the whitest place on the face of Earth, uh, uh, home of the Plain Yogurt Festival. I belonged to a group there called the uh, gang that I rolled with for several years in the 70s called the Devil's Advocates. We, we tried to see the other side of the argument, and that was our downfall. We got stomped a lot of the time. I could see you, I'd, well, you'd want to kick my ass for being a fruit basket. I get it. And then they'd kick your ass for being a fruit basket, and you're like, I understood why you did that. Really, really bad gang to belong to. Um, I'm, di- I'm not saying Van Nuys is as white as San Carlos was, but... Uh, we didn't put razor blades in our hair because, um, you know, uh, there was a lot of fair faucet hair. And, and you'd, you'd cut a shank off and that would be that. Your popularity would dip the next day and then who would talk to you? I mentioned Mr. Pibb last night uh, for no reason at my show at Nerd Melt. But the 70s remind me that there were soft drinks. There was a soft drink drinking scene in the movie, if you noticed. There was a fellow lounging on a Coke machine uh, on his way. It, the, the, the lesbian prostitute's house The one she shakes down Where the giant big black butch Shirley Hemphill lesbian showed up Wearing leather uh, There was some really dastardly soda In the 70s um, We didn't have Now we have This one is the one that makes me laugh so much here at Cinefilmy Smart water Because other water gets in a bottle And just shoots out at a moment's notice But smart water only comes out when you bait it to in the 70s, uh, before, when this picture came out, there was no, um, when you opened up a can, it, you ripped off a complete pop top, and you had a metal fucking shrapnel souvenir of your own that you could either throw on the ground and step on later, or put in the can and drink accidentally in a few moments' time. Uh, there was no safety at all, and there were no drink caddies of any kind in any vehicle. So if you were going to drink in a vehicle, it was going to end up on your crotch at some point. Or all over the floor. And no one had had the prescience to put a perforation in a coffee lid. So when you bought coffee, it came in a cardboard cup. And then you had to bite the lid and rip it and form your own. Five people remember this. Then you'd put it here between your legs and start to drive. And the gravity of the coffee and the, and the, and the inertia would... Wah! And the, uh, almost inevitably, every 70s drink ended up on your genitalia. That's never depicted in these movies. And that's, what, that's the problem I have with 70s cinema. I'm joking, of course, but please. I should have ended moments ago when I had you. Uh, again, this is available on uh, 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 gregproops.com and, and iTunes and whatnot. It's also available on SoundCloud, which I found funner uh, to, to listen to it on SoundCloud. I don't know why. I think it's just the spontaneity of SoundCloud that really... iTunes seems so permanent like you've made a douchebag covenant with a corporation that you don't want to be in uh, business with but SoundCloud feels like oh I'm just dropping by it's this dude's house Uh, and he plays music sometimes even though you know it's some sort of weird corporation owns that too probably the SoundCloud corporation and they have a, a basement office on this block underneath one of the tennis shoe stores or does it I'm so old I'm calling them tennis shoes why don't I just call them athletic shoes and let's have done with it here? I don't know what they call them now, but uh, I know that I'm not going to buy a pair in the near future. Uh, unless something... Ter- at a certain point, though, at a certain age, people start to wear tennis shoes again, which I've never understood. Uh, the, uh, there's the baseball hat tennis shoe period of your early life, and then after 80, it's baseball hats and tennis shoes again. 
Like you're some sort of gangster who's, you know, at the mall. And then uh, you can go to Jan's coffee shop and see everyone dressed like that. And, they, and, the, and uh, if you were wondering whether you were going to order stewed prunes at one point in your life, the answer is yes. It's just a few years in the offing. That was an uneasy laugh from this crowd. Uneasy lies the head that does not uh, become aware that one day stewed fruit will be ordered in your future. You'll not always be this young and beautiful, carefree and gay and able to dance into the night after watching coffee. At some point, you're going to watch coffee and be like, fuck, I wish my life was like that. <laughs> this has been the Greg Proops Film Club. Thank you very much for coming out tonight. We'll be back next month with another fine motion picture. For every page you turn me a Sasha page, for every bell that makes vehicle, blah, blah, blah. And if you have to buy bonds, you should have very much. Good night. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey.